the book of Tov. Today's daf is uh, Yud Aleph. I want to start first by mentioning some points from yesterday. Uh, we had the whole discussion about the uh, cutting of the Omer, and it overrides uh, Shabbos, um, and then also the possibility that Omer would come from Chutzlaretz, where the question would be then would obviously have to have been done a few days before. So I did want to say that according to the um, Bavli, actually, it's true, you can't have both things. If you can cut the Omer before the day itself, if the evidence kosher before the day itself, then it wouldn't override Shabbos. Then you, there would never be a need to do it on Shabbos. There's a little bit of a question about the Psach of the Rambam, but anyway, I just wanted to um, clarify uh, that point. Um, also, more interestingly, and this will get us to today's daf, we had ended yesterday with a list of things that you used the um, left of the uh, money from the Trumat Halishka. Now, an earlier mission said that the Trumat Halishka only goes for Korban Sibur, um, and it does not even presumably go for things that are um, that are uh, enable a Korban Sibur, but only actually. Um, for the, uh, I'm sorry, it said only for the Korban Tibor, it also did include, I misstated that, it also did include um, the people that were watching the grain for the Omer, so that was some of the attendant costs for the Korban Tibor, but anyway, very much uh, with that emphasis, on the other hand, the mission we're dealing with in Mishnah Bet says, for example, you could be spend the money on the Paraduma, with the Trumat with the Trumat Alishka, but not on the ramp that you would make for the Para Aduma. So it's really very narrowly defined as the things that are really about the Korban Tibor itself. That being said, we ended yesterday at the bottom of Yudamaset with a long list of things that you would spend the money of the Trumat Halishka on, which were not the Korban Tibor. You would spend it on the rabbinical students that would teach the Kohanim the laws of Korbanot. You would spend it on the Shnei uh, Dayanei Gzeirot, or some say Gzeilot, two like regular judges in Yerushalayim that were on a fixed salary to regularly be there to uh, deal with uh, various court cases. You would spend it on, um, you know, on the, on, the weave, on the women who weave the parochas. What does any of this have to do with Korban Sibur? So if you take a look at the gra here, um, I should actually mention this. I haven't really commented on the uh, side commentaries, but there are two commentaries here that are based on the gra. One is called, if you have the standard Vilna printing, one is called the Mishnah Eliyahu, which is more, I think, actual transcriptions of his notes. I'm not exactly sure about, how, about, about that. And the other is Tachlin Chadatin, which means Shkalim Chadashim, which is a student of the gra, which also bases him a lot on the gra. And on the far, furthest margin does Hagos Hagra, the margin alone. So there are three commentaries here based on the Gra. Anyway, if you look at the Mishnah Eliyahu, because one of the things it said they would spend it on would be on the Megihei Sifrei Hazar, Sefer Hazara, on those that would uh, correct the Sifrei Torah or the Sefer in the Azara, whatever that means, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So if you look at the side here, which says Mishnah Eliyahu, it says, Hagi Garcin and Sefer Hazara, Vayein Rashi Biksuvos, that you're not allowed to have an unchecked Sefer Torah. So these would be people that would be hired to basically check people's Sefer Torah. Like you go to the base of Mikdash and you can get your Talsam Shilin and Mezuzahs checked for free. So you get your Sefer Torah checked. Okay, maybe they'd circulate in Yerushalayim. And then he says... Um, Basically, saw that people were being lazy and not getting their Sifrei Torah checked. People, by the 
away at that time had Sifei Torah just as books of study, not just for ritual purposes. And they, and they freed up the money of the Trumat Halishka for that purpose, which means that on the one hand, it's all about using the money exactly for Korbanot Sibor and nothing else. And then we had this long list of all other things you would use it for, general religious needs, which were not, not even always Niktas related and not Korban Sibor. And anyway, he quotes us a Rashi um, in Ksuvos that basically says, yeah, the, ra- the rabbis would stipulate that some of the funds would go to that and sort of like retroactively, it would never have been considered sanctified for that purpose. So that was always like a little trick, a little out, that the rab- that, 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 that what the Bible says, lay based in Masnin, that based in or rabbis or whatever can somehow stipulate at the very outset, we're going to wind up using some of these funds for this, and we'll say that it was never sanctified, you know, for its, for its normally expressed purpose. The other thing, so that helps explain what's going on about that whole list, why to, again, to choose those things as opposed to others, is not clear to me. But I did want to remind you, by the way, you know, there's a lot of discussion, not what you would use the Truma Salishka for, but also what you would use the Sharei Halishka, right? The Sharei of the Truma Halishka. What was left over once they removed the three baskets full for the Korbanot. And if you think about it, and I don't think we ever stopped to sort of think about this for a moment, this was the major taxing, you know, money collecting that they did of the entire Jewish population, not only in Israel, for purposes of the Beit HaMikdash. So the idea that not only by chance there was like, I think normally in my mind I was thinking, oh, they did it for the Korbanot Zibur, but if there was leftover funds, they could use it for the following things. But if you actually think about it, from the very outset they knew that they were going to collect a lot more funds than they needed for the Korbanot Zibur. And in a way, this was providing them for some of their operating or regular funds for the Beit HaMikdash. So the Trumat Talishka was, will remove the amount we need for the Korbanot, but I don't think it was just by chance. I think from the outset they knew that there was going to be a lot of leftover funds, and then what were they going to, and how they would use that money. And that's why we read in the Mishnah that they would even use it for like building the walls of the city, you know? Choma Se'ir Migdala Seha, Nishyarei Halishka. So... Right. Right, there's Mosar HaTruma, which is the three baskets, and that money that they're taking from the three baskets, and at the end of the year, there's stuff left in those baskets. But that's the money that was actually used for the Trumat HaLishka. Then there's all of the rest of the stuff that they put a tarp over, right? Remember, after they took the baskets, and that's Shirei HaLishka, and that would be used for, like, you know, for, for, for fixing the wall of Yerushalayim, like so general types of... Still two more exactly, because then the yeah. new money, because they're constantly collecting money in the year, right, from the more distant provinces, and that goes on top of the tarp. So all the money under the tarp, which is the money that they've already done the Trumat HaLishka from, is the Shirei HaLishka, and that gives them a lot of things that they can spend it on, and I think that, you know, what occurred to me the other day, that was probably purposeful, that they, you know, or they knew they were going to have all these leftover funds. I want to spend another minute to also talk about this fascinating phrase of the, what do you call it, of that the Magihe Sefer HaAzara, or sometimes the phrase Sefer Ezra, that Ezra HaNavi took. And I just wanted to introduce you to this uh, famous source, just read it for one second, it's in Avos Redi Nasan, it's also in the Sifrei, in the Sifrei it's on the Pasuk in Varim, in Zosabracham, Neona Elohe Kedem. Okay, the dwelling place of the God of, 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 of the ancient God. So here's this here's the passage. Gimal Svarim Azara. Notice again the Sefer Azara, right? Three Sefer Torah were found in the temple courtyard. It doesn't say exactly when, but presumably at the time of, you know, who knows, you know, one time. Sefer Mi'onah, one they called the Book of Mi'onah, because these are all the var- these are well, some of the variant readings and some of the non. Sefer Za'atuta, 
the Sefer He. Sefer Me'ona, what does that mean? Me'on Elohe Kedem. In one it said the Me'on of God, of, of, of the ancient God. Be'echad Haya Me'ona. Right? And in the others, really, it said Me'ona, because there were three. So they took a, they did a democracy. What? The, what? what is the what? We have it as Me'ona. Me'ona Elohe Kedem. So they said, okay, if two say Me'ona and one says Me'on, we'll use the Me'ona Girsa. So this is a faint, amazing source that it actually says there was some question of the exact text of the Sefer Torah. I'm a Rabbi Yossi, that Zehi Sefer Shanimsa Beveis Ma'on. I have no idea what that means. Sefer Za'atute, the Echad Hay, this is very bizarre, like a Greek word here. Be'echad Hayakasuv Za'atute Bnei Yisrael, Ubishnaim Hayakasuv Vaishlaches Na'arei Bnei Yisrael. So instead of Na'arei, they had this bizarre word Za'atute. Bitlu Hayakad Vikimotsa Shnaim. Sefer He, the book of He. Right, you know there are times where it's written with a yud and we read it with a vav. Like last week we had a lot that it was written ni'ara with an outer hay and we read like it was written na'ar and we read it ni'ara. The yesho means echadasar, that is a question here for Girsa, but echadasar yud, he's, Torah. There's a question: How many of these of these different spellings were there? How many he's were there that were read who? So, so one book said eleven times it, said, it was written Hey Yud Aleph, and another sefer there was nine times it was written Hey Yud Aleph, and the other two was written Hey Vav Aleph. Okay, so it was a spelling issue. Was it written with a Yud or a Vav? Everybody read it was pronounced too. So this is an amazing source, you know, for for issues about the text of the Torah and textual variants. And it's, when you talk about Magihe Sefer Hazara, you know, one wonders here you're correcting Sefer Hazara, although this was a one-time thing, but maybe it means, and this is discussed, that they used the books of the Hazara once they established the text, then they use that to check it against all other, or to check all other Sifre Torah against that, against that Sefer. Another interpretation is the book that was read by the Kohen Gadol in the Azara, the Sefer Torah that was read on Yom Kippur. But of course, why that needs a, a full-time job. Now, maybe it wasn't a full-time job. Anyway, the Gra here in the Mishnah Selio gives a couple of possibilities, but I just thought it was really, it was, you know, they really sort of parallels this source and might be referring to this, to, to a similar phenomenon. Yes? With this, and with some passages in the Bavli that, are, that have similar ideas, how is it that people can say that every single letter is exactly what we have from Well, it was all, there was a mistake, and we corrected the mistakes, and it was all, well, the text that they went up with was clearly the exact text that they had received. So, <laughs> I don't know what your problem is, Charlie. Okay, yes. <laughs> what? ostensibly describing a time period prior to the family of Ben Asher and the... Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was prior to the Masorites. Yeah, the Masorites came... Um, Masorites and Masorites were, um, what was it? First, second century. No, later than second century, was it? No, really? No. I thought it was like fifth or sixth century. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah, you don't have family names that early anyway. I thought I thought it was I thought it was in the Gaonic period. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they actually like recorded every single letter, and they they came up with a whole system to make sure it would be preserved. Right. But this was the first step in this direction. All right. So back to the Gemara. So that was a fascinating digression, but I wanted to make sure we had seen that. So bottom here of Yudamadali if we pick up the following um, again about what the money is going to use for um, now um, it says like this uh, da, 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 um, okay 
Amar Reb Chizkia, Tana Reb Yehuda. It's right after you see the last word on the line with in parentheses about twenty lines up where it says "grow groat," which might have been his name or "god good gadot." Question: What his name was? Okay, but anyway, Reb Yehuda said he had a brayta. Haktores v'kol korbanot hatzibur v'ay mitrumas halishka. The ktoreth and all korbanot hatzibur come from the truma halishka. Thank you. That's exactly what the shekel is supposed to be used for. Um, Mizbach HaZahav, the Kokrei Sharet, presumably any fixes that they had to make on the gold altar and all the holy vessels, which were made of gold and silver, by Mimoser Nisachim, the leftover money from the Nisachim, from the wine and flour that would come with the Korbanot. We're going to see later today what, where that leftover money would come from, what led to that leftover money. And those leftover funds, since Nisachim are, go totally on the altar and nobody benefits from them, they would use them also for something that was totally for the Mikdash, either the Mizbeach or the clay charade. Um, one wonders how much money they had from the Moser Nesachim because it seems like this is a pretty expensive uh, you know, uh, need here but we'll see what that is. we'll see what the, where that money came from in a little bit Mizbacha Ola the, 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 the altar for the burnt offering the outside altar not the incense altar the one in the courtyard the Heichal Hazarot and the uh, and any other fixes that they needed for the Heichal and um, which is you know the uh, sort of the inner sanctum um, which is where you had the menorah and the or the other road, the outer courtyard, by Mishirei Halishka. That would come from the Shirei Halishka. Shirei Halishka, you had an enormous amount of latitude. We learned in the Mishnah you would even use it for fixing up the walls of Yerushalayim. So, well, so why, why you use it for this? You would think that you could use more sanctified funds. Um, well, let's read the next line. One minute. Chutz Lazarot. If you needed to do fixes in the, on the temple outside of the Azara proper, so you're no longer in the real sanctified space, um, uh, um, then that came from they actually had a fund called the fund of Berakabayas where people donated money for actual fixing up the temple proper so that now the question here is that's a little bizarre. If you give money to the Berakabais, you would assume it would be used in the Azarot and in the Heichal, not in the external. So the Gra here points out that, they, that the Bavli's gears of this Tosef, of this Bright is reversed. It's Mizbach HaOla Vaheichal Azarot came from Berakabais, and Chutz Heichal and Chutz Azarot came from Shiarei Halishka, which makes more sense. Because the Shirei Halishka, you had a lot of latitude what to do with it. So he reverses the order here um, in this bright How was that a collected? That no, that was that was just that was just free donation. Free donation. Free donation to Bedekabayis. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that was free donations. Bedekabayis. So why differentiating between which Uh Yeah, that I don't know either. I don't know why this Moser Nesachim gets this highly specialized function of things that are like most most sanctified and so on. Again, other than that, it was totally burnt. Okay, so the Gemara says, and also we'll see, we're, we're, anyway, so the Gemara says like this, Vahatani, don't we have a Bryce that says, Avne HaMizbeach HaHechav Azarot Moalim Behen, that you can do Me'ila with the Mizbeach and the Hechav and the Azarot, and we, that, based on the Yushalmi's Girsa, it says that that came from Shirei Halishka. Now, Shirei Halishka, after the Trumat Halishka was taken, we learned that the rest over money was desanctified and could be used even to build the walls of Yerushalayim. So if it's desanctified, how will you do Me'ila with, uh, the, with the, with the, with uh, with the stuff, if you bought the stuff with it, the chiyesh meila b'shirayim is there meila with what's left over from the trumat halishka. 
Someone says, Elok Rebbe Meir. You know what? It's going like Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir, Omer, Molim, Bishirayim. Yes, remember Rebbe Meir said that you would still do me Elam Bishirayim because you might need to draw on those funds if you ran out of money and you might need to draw on them for the Korbanot. So the Gemara says, one minute. Amar Rebbe Chia, Klum Amar Rebbe Meir, Ela Betoch Shnaso. When did Rebbe Meir say there was still Kedush on the Shirayim? During the year of that Shekel, because that was the year that you would draw on those funds for Korbanot of that year. If that's true, I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like you know, you, you can't win either way. According to Rebbe Meir, what would you do with the Sherei Halishka? You would leave it untouched so that you might, I mean, he, I don't know where he'd get his funds for doing everything else, but you'd leave it untouched because you might run out of money for the Korbanot Sibor, and you'd have to go back to the money that was left, left behind. Okay, but you can only buy the Korbanot of Sibor this year from the, from the Shekel of this year. So the need for that money to remain kadosh and to be a backup would only be for this year. So the assumption is that at the end of the year, then it would become desanctified. Now I have to tell you, I don't know the pro- how this works. I mean, that's kedusha. You can turn it on and off, right? How the taking of the trumat alishka desanctifies the rest. How could it be at the end of the year when you no longer need it for that purpose? It became desanctified. You somehow have to say that, like the rabbi stipulated from the very beginning, that it all follow the you know the policies and the parameters that they've laid out. So the Gemara's question here is one minute. If you want to draw on those funds for fixing up the Mizbeach or the Heichal, according to Rabbi Meir, you can't draw on them during the year. You have to, during the year you have to have that for the Korbanot. So you're only drawing them at the end of the year. After, at the end of the year. Well, at the end of the year, after the year's over, we go back to the reality that they were desanctified. So we're back to our question that if you're using desanctified funds for the Mizbeach and for the Azara, how do we teach that there is Meila with those? Okay, so that's this issue, which is why, by the way, the Bavli's answer is much better. The Bavli reverses the Breita and says that you buy the Mizbeach Ola and the Azara would be from Bedek Habayi's funds, so that would be sanctified, and the stuff outside the Azara would be from Shiarei Alishka, which would be desanctified, and therefore there would not be Meila, but the Rishami that has it in the reverse is stuck and doesn't understand how you're using Shiarei Alishka, and then there still is Meila. Yes, Michael. This is still a little weird. Like, okay, for instance, let's say I have um, well, my, my flock of animals. Yeah. So I take my master, that's cutter. So all the rest of the animals are a little hood. So I get to mock the shit. Right. So the same thing. So, you know, you owe money. And then once you use it, you know. That's and, true. And you use a stone that is part of the. I, I, I suppose. I, could have, I, I suppose it could have said that you could have mocked your shit if you wanted to. I mean, I, that, that's, that's true. I don't know what. Yeah, it's true. It could have said that we, you know, went ahead and we wore mocked your shit. Yeah. There's another science sauce that Rambam rules in accordance with the Yishami, and the test of Mishnah wonders why right. uh, Rambam picked the Yishami over the Bali. Bali, right. So that actually is an interesting thing to say, by the way. First of all, one reason here might be because it's the Yishami. We also have a general principle, like, if you have conflicting sugyos, let's say sugya about, I don't know, about, you know, Shor Shenaga Chesapara, and in Baba Kama it says one thing, and it happens to be discussed in Zvachim, it says something else, the general rule is, you rule like the Baba Kama sugya, because that's its natural locus, that's where it's really being discussed. So it could be in Shkolim issues, the Rambam feels, you rule like the Yerushalmi over the Bavli, because there's a whole Yerushalmi on it. But that being said, while the Rambam says in his Akhtamah to Mishnah Torah that we always go like the Bavli, there's been a lot of scholarship showing where he rules like the Yerushalmi over the Bavli. Like when he felt it was appropriate, he would sometimes have the Bavli trump the Yerushalmi, uh, the Yerushalmi trump the Bavli. 
Anyway, some people use say that that resolves a lot of problems in the Rambam, a lot of contradictions with the Bavli, is you have, if you appreciate that he's going sometimes by other rabbinic sources, you know, other Tanaitic sources, and the Rishalmi and Tosefta and so on. Okay, anyway, let's get back to the Gemara. Um, okay, I'm Rabbi Chizkia. Tana Rabbi Yehuda, Gud Gideot, or God Ganiot, I don't know. Hashulchan, same, same, anyway, the same uh, Amora, teaches the following Brighta. Hashulchan v'hamenorah, v'hamizbachot v'haparochet, ma'akvin et ha'korbanot. So we're going to shift a minute from what you use the money for and talk about what uh, features you need in the Beit HaMikdash in order to bring korbanot. So this says basically you need all of the features that are in the Heichal, which is interesting. That's not normally where you bring, you know, you bring Korbanot out in the courtyard, but you need the Shochan and the Menorah and both Mizbachot, the gold and the, the gold one and the one for the Ola that's out in the courtyard, and the Parochet um, that separates between the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kadash. All of those are Ma'akvinet Korbanot. You can't bring a Korban without that. But you need also the Aron Kodesh? Or uh, not, no. They didn't have the Aron Kodesh. No. I don't know where they know this from. We're going to have a lot of statements here, which are, un, which are a lot of statements which are unsourced okay now the parochus was used in the hakrav of some korbanot right of like on Yom Kippur and so on so one of them of course can say you don't need all of these to bring an ola you need various ones for their various related korbanot so to bring the korban on Yom Kippur you need the parochet in order to offer you know to burn the to to, to do the lighting of the menorah you need a menorah to do lechem upon him you need a shulchan I know so the simple sense is you need all of these to be considered to have you have a bayit in order to bring the korbanot okay let me just finish this of all the things he said the only thing that's ma'akev the bringing of korbanot is the laver and its base the kira and the khan so again none of this is sourced what pasuk it's based on the grah who doesn't like this switches the gear set to say what does he switch it to say hatarkov um, which are features of the nisbeach which means you need the nisbeach with certain of its features in order to bring it which makes more sense but anyway he switches uh, you know he's, I don't know because it's based on a bodily whatever anyway so um, I want to remind you that it parallels a discussion in Megillah and the bodily and other places which is shamati shamakrivim afapil chain bias okay that you could be you could bring a korban without there being a base of mikdash and the question is like exactly what would you need I mean you'd still need a mizbeach to bring it on um, but that becomes very important around Pesach time when there, people want to go ahead and go up to Harbayas and being a, bring a Korban Pesach and you say you don't need a base Amikdash. So here it's being discussed, you know, what are the minimum components that you need in order to be Makriva Korban. Yes. Where were Chatoz and Asha All animal sacrifices, all minchas, everything was on the outer Mizbeach. The only thing that you did on the Mizbeach Hazahab, which was indoors, let's remember, so you can't have too much smoke or whatever going on there and too much burning of fats and so on. The only thing done on the Mizbeach Olah, on the Mizbeach Hazahab, was Ketorah. Right. Okay, and sometimes the sprinkling of blood on, a, like on Yom Kippur and so on. Right, but okay. you said also there's the Mizbeach for the Olah. Oh, it's called Mizbeach Olah because right. it's... Uh, it means the Mizbach for all Korbanos. Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just called Mizbach Ola. Yes, yes, exactly. 
as were the menorah and the right exactly and somehow according to the first opinion they were still needed okay so it says like this um, the locane um Rebbe Yosi ben Hanina Trehon um, um, I mean but, uh, that, you know that's really not so because Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Yosi ben they both say Kohen dechsiv nochach ma'akev anywhere it says in the Torah nochach I have no idea what this is based on it, it's something that without it you can't bring korbanot so for example by the by the shuch by the by the menorah it says that's a menorah nochach hashuchan so since it uses nochach with the menorah you you need that. Sela ain't a ma'ake. If it says Sela, that's not. Because the Shulchan, it says you should put the Shulchan out Sela Safon on the north side. No, even with it, Sela ma'ake. From Avila, B'Shem Reb Shmuel Bar Nachman, B'Afilu Sima Ma'akev, even what says some, you should place it. Like the Aaron and the Parochas and the Mizbeach, Vayasem, you know, pretty much it says by everything. I don't know how they would bring Korbanot in the Bayit Shani because they, they didn't have an Aaron in the Bayit Shani. Anyway, all of that contradicts this claim that all you would need would be the Kior and the Khan. Okay, so how do you resolve that? So Amr Rabbi Hanina, Kanba Vodas Shabifnin, Kanba Vodas Shabuchut. So now we're actually saying no. And this makes sense. If you want to do the stuff on the outer altar, all of the Korbanot, then you just need, other than an altar, then you just need a, the, the, the laver, the Kiyor and the Khan. That's what is in the outer space. That's the only thing you need. If you want to do an inner avoda, like the avoda on Yom Kippur, you know, like uh, the, uh, the burning of Kitoras and so on, then you need those various components that we were talking about, the shulchan and the menorah, etc. I still don't know, according to the opinion that you need the aron, how they did any of the inner avodos and bayasheni. Okay, but anyway, that resolves the contradiction. Yes, I'm a rebbe, I'm a rebbe Hanina. Shachatzit gedola, a great uh, sort of like uh, haughtiness, Haisa Bivne Kohanim Gidolim was in the sons of the Kohanim Gidolim. It actually means the Kohanim Gidolim because our Mishnah teaches that the Kohen Gadol would spend their own funds for building the ramp for the Paraduma. Okay, because that was a very special thing. It happened very rarely and they would want it to be their ramp and they'd spend their own funds. So, and what does it mean there was a haughtiness? First of all, they spend more than 60 talents of gold, some say silver, that's an enormous amount of wealth, um, if, if it's gold, they would spend on this ramp. First of all, there was already an existing ramp from the past time they did it. Nobody wanted to use the ramp that was used last time. So, Ella, so slow, they knocked down the old ramp, and build a new one. And they, you know, with an enormous amount of expense. So, they were very, so gaivadik, it had to be their ramp, and they'd be so wasteful. So, Hesi, Rebbe Ula, Kumi Rebmana, so Rebbe Ula asked Rebbe Mana, Fatani, one minute, we have a brisa that says, Shimon Tzadik, Shimon Tzadik says, Shtei Parot Asa, Shimon Tzadik, Shtei Parot Asa. So, Shimon Tzadik, in his time, he lived very long, he was a coin Gadol for a very long time, they did two Paradumas, one at the beginning of his career, and one towards the end. Okay? So, and the end of the Brighta says, Lo Bekevesh, Shehotietzo, Hotietzo, the one that they used for the ramp, the, the ramp that they used for the first one wasn't the one they used for a second one. So you see, Shimon Atzadik himself built a separate ramp, even though presumably it was still around and so on. Yitzhak Lameimer, Shimon Atzadik, Would you say Shimon Atzadik was, was haughty? So it must be that it wasn't just their own gaiva, it must be there was a real requirement to make a separate ramp. Now you could say, yeah, you could make a separate ramp, you don't have to spend 60 pounds of gold on it, but anyway, clearly you see that this was a requirement. So my kiddo... 
individual has right. dedicated. Dedicated. So that's for things that are actual Korban Tzibur. You know, this ramp wasn't even, and I mean, we'll talk about that again, right? We're talking about individuals donating like a baguette for the big day kihuna. If it wasn't the actual Korban proper, then you could do it if you gave it over to the Tzibur. And this is something which it was more like, you know, sort of part of the ritual that the rabbis had developed around the parah. It wasn't actually, a, you know, something used per se in the Beit HaMikdash. I don't even think technically this had to be donated to the Tzibur. You needed there to be a ramp. It didn't have to be like a communal ramp. Well, then let's read the answer. My um, Kedon, so how do you explain why they made two ramps? I mean, you'd have to make a new one each time. I'll say my lehi silsul hi bepara. It's a great, it's a, it's a like elevation that they did by the para silsul. Like you have the phrase misal Bassar, like you know, to yeah. sort of run your fingers through your presses. What no, no no, 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 Anyway, so it's all of these. Like they did all these special fancy things for the para. One of the reasons is also there was a lot of debates around the para duma with the tzedukim and so on. So they made, uh, you know, they anyway they made a lot uh, a big so. Anyway, in one area they were very lenient to, di- to, to undermine the Tzedukim's position, so they went crazy machmir in other areas. Um, anyway, so this is one of the special things we do, and it wasn't just because of Gaifa. So, Tani, one minute, we taught in the Bryce, Zizinu Ktalima Yotzi Mikan in this bridge or ramp that they made, they would ha- make sure that there were protrusions coming out from it. Because they didn't want everybody hanging off the edge of the, of the bridge and the ramp and looking in and wanting to get a good sight of the paraduma and then they would you know not be careful they might be tame they might actually accidentally bring something and touch it so they needed to keep everybody away so they made all these protrusions coming out like a barbed wire you know bridge that you couldn't get too close to we, uh, yes we saw uh, we saw Rabbi Ula in Stockton and the gifts were changed to Rabbi Ula in yeah the right I, again is there a Rabbi Ula yeah, that's a good point. Presumably, I, I, I'm... Always Right. In Zomri, it is always Ula. That is true. I don't know if it's the same person or not. Okay, Rabbi Akiva Omer Ein Mistakri. Now, this was the question of what do you do with, if the end of the year, you have leftover money with, um, from the Shere Lishka. The Shere Lishka, remember, is the leftover stuff after you've taken the baskets out. All of that leftover shkalim under the tarp that, you know, you can now use for a wide range of purposes for building up the walls of the city. Now, now comes the end of the year, and Baruch Hashem, you know, you have a, you know, you have, a, you have a, a surplus, and you actually have some leftover funds of the Shirei Halishka, which have already been desanctified. What do you do with it? So Rabbi Shmuel says, well, you buy oil and uh, wine and you know flour, and you go into business and you sell it to all the people coming to Yerushalayim, and based in pockets, the difference makes a profit. Um, and Rabbi Akiva says you don't do business with hectish funds, okay? And then he also says, you don't do business with anim funds. And the question is, is it because it's inappropriate and it'll raise suspicions and it just looks very, like, hectic going into business? Or is it also a concern that, you know, there's risk involved in business and you don't risk funds that aren't, you know, that, that, that aren't yours to risk? So that will play out in this discussion here in the Gemara. Let's take a look. El Imratza says Gemara, if you want to do business with hectic funds, you can do it on the stipulation that... Um, that if any money is lost, I'll make up the difference. And I absorb the loss. And so then it's just protecting the money. But if there's any money to be made, then that'll go to Actish. So if you want to do that, then you're entitled to, which, okay. Um, now, mutter. 
that's permissible. Kiadah bar zimna, like this bar zimna, zmina, this person bar zmina, ispekid gabe, who was entrusted to him, midl the yasmin. So midl is some type of funds, or some have a different gear, some have a lie, which is basically, anyway, some property of orphans. Also, Vishal Rebbe Mana, he asked Rebbe Mana, can I invest this? For the sake of the orphans, if you're willing for the loss to be yours, the agra de tarvechon, but you'll, I'll allow you to split the profit, then shari, it's permissible. So then you're accepting all responsibility for loss, and for your efforts, you'll get half the profit. And but they'll also then you'll invest your funds, and they'll get the profits that's allowed. Now some people ask, it's really that makes it, that's almost a type of a ribis. Yeah. Right? Because basically, you give me money, I promise to get you your money back, whatever happens to the money, okay, which basically makes it like a loan, okay, but I'm going to use that money and invest it, and, um, and I will take half the profits, I'll give you half the profits. So you're definitely going to get your money back, and you might also get some profit out of it. So isn't that like a loan with ribis? So it's not exactly how it's structured, but it has those qualities. So rabbinically, that's generally forbidden, but here they allow it for the sake of investing the money of the orphans. I know, one minute. Okay, one minute. Um, he also had this, uh, you know, sons of orphans, and he did the same thing. And I agree um, that this is a big chiddish, because, you know, the simple sense of the Mishnah, sounds like there's something fundamentally wrong with it, not just that it's too much of a risk. And it's actually almost a little troubling. Like, you understand why by orphans, that, you know, by, that's the concern. You don't play around with other people's money, you know, if it's entrusted to you. But by hectic, you would think there's more intrinsic concerns as well. You don't want a hectic going into business. You know, it, it does not look good. Well, we're collecting all of this checkup for all of our operating funds, and then, oh, by the way, we're also going into business with some of that money we used and so on. You know, it, 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 you don't want to sort of sully the hands of Hekdish with that, but the Gemara makes it just about a concern of loss. Okay, now we'll wrap up. Most of our Then there was this um, ambiguous line in the Mishnah that said, the leftover from the fruits, what you would do with it. So Rabbi Yishmael says what you would do with it is, uh, let me find it. Um, um, you use it for case on Mizbeach, which are the altar, the uh, olas you would bring when the Mizbeach wasn't busy. And it says Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Hananus Gankoni, they didn't even refer to Moser Peros, and it says they didn't agree to it. So what is this Moser Peros that they didn't agree to? So the Gemara says like this. Masnisin um, Rebbe the Mishnah that talks about this phenomenon of Moser Peros is Rebbe Shmuel. He actually says, Moser Peros, Rebbe Shmuel says what you do with it. Why? Rebbe Chiyabar Yosef Passa, he explained Masnisa, the Mishnah, Moser Peros Charlactish. What Moser Peros is, is the money that you made off of going into business with the wine and the oil. Right? So the question is, what do you do with the leftover funds of Shiare Halishka? You go into business with the wine and the oil, according to Rebbe Shmuel. So what do you do with that money? What do you do with the profits from that business? So that he says, oh, that you use for Ketamiz Be'ach. But now we understand why Rebbe Akiva didn't want to discuss what you do with it, because he didn't agree you were allowed to go into the business to begin with. Okay? So Moshe Nisachim, leftover money for Nisachim, Zusa'a Revi'it. That is the fourth Sa'ah. What does that mean? It means that you really want to be very careful before you decide to uh, be a supplier for the Beit HaMikdash. On the one hand, it's extremely high volume and you can make a profit. On the other hand, they always have the better of any change and fluctuation in the market. So you basically stipulate at the beginning of the year that you will supply them four Sa'ah to the Shekel, four Sa'ah of wine to the Shekel. And then the uh, price changes and it's the middle of the year and now it's going three Sa'ah for the Shekel. Guess what? You still have to supply them for Sa'ah to the Shekel. You cannot, bene- you, know, you cannot benefit from the price change. Only they can benefit. So if that happens, 
then they wind up because then they take that money and they could also resell it to people that are needing the wine, right? Especially if you hold sort of like Rebbe Shmel or whatever. Anyway, so um, uh, there's other ways as well which I'll get to. So they wind up with the profit, you know, uh, um, d- uh, d- uh, during the course of the year. So that's the most earnestachim, the way they profit from the fluctuation. What's that called? Not arbitrage. Is that arbitrage? When you sort of buy in one place, sell in the other, yeah. and fluctuate. Yeah. So they. So so anyway. So they benefit from the arbitrage, and that's the most nisachim. Zusa aravid. It's like the fourth saah in that sort of scenario I just drew for you. Anyway. So the point is that Moser Peros is this business. And that, that you went with, with the money of Sherei Elishka, and that's why only Rabbi Shmel discussed what you did with it, because Rabbi Akiva did not believe you weren't allowed to do, use it for that. Um, Rabbi Yochanan, Pastor Masnisa, this is how Rabbi Yochanan explains the Mishnah. Po, most of Peros, Zosa Arivius, no, the most of Peros is this fourth, uh, this flux, the change in the market price. Moser Nisachim, so then what's the Moser Nisachim? Okay, so that is Lebeirutzi. Beirutzin is the heaping, which basically means like this. If I buy from you, the supplier, um, a gallon or whatever, I don't know, um, a gallon, a gallon, is a gallon a volume measurement? It is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I buy from you a gallon and you fill up your container with a gallon, any, you don't get to smooth off the top. Any sort of, you know, heap, heaping that comes in the container, I get it, even though it winds up being more than a gallon because I'm the base I'm excess. All right, so again, there's going to be a little bit of a profit then if I go back and then I sell that wine. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to smooth off the top. So I'm going to always benefit from that difference. So that's another way the base of McDish would regularly benefit from buying and selling wine. And that profit, that's called Moser Nesachim. Now, here I have to stop and say, you're going to ask me, Rabbi Lenzer, even Rabbi Akiva agrees to this idea of Moser Nesachim. So, so aren't you saying it comes from the base of McDish doing business? So, and he disagreed with the whole idea of the base of McDish doing business. So here's the difference. Here's the way it worked. What the, um, the way it's explained elsewhere is the following. They didn't exactly do business, but they sort of had the, uh, they, they sort of had like a fixed, uh, system up in the following way. You would walk into the base on Mikdash. If you did not have your Nusachim, you would go ahead and stand in line and pay your, you know, say to the guy, I'm bringing three Korbano today. And based on whether they're sheep or whatever they are, they need different Nusachim. I'm going to need, you know, two sheep Nusachim and one cow Nusachim. So he says, fine, here's our price list, $10 for the sheep, twenty dollars for the cow. You pay him your whatever, your forty bucks, and he gives you three little, three like takim, like you know, three receipts. You know, then you walk over to the to the nesachim store. You give them the three receipts, and they give you the nesachim. So they had it all sort of like streamlined like that, so you would not exactly buy the nesachim of the Beis Hamikdash. You know, essentially you would, because the guy who gave you the nesachim, he was not working for the Beis Hamikdash. He was independent contractor. He took the receipts. He gave you the Nesachim. So, officially, the Beis HaMikdash wasn't selling it to you. At the end of the day, he went back to the Beis HaMikdash. He handed them in the receipts, and they reimbursed him. Okay, so that's how the system worked. Even Rebbe Akiva agrees to that. And if, again, the Beis HaMikdash is buying, it's supplying, you know, it's getting the benefit... So in the end, when it sort of, you know, switches the receipts for cash, it's going to wind up ahead. And that's Moser Nesachim. And if everybody bringing a korban pretty much had to do this, 
you know, that going back to the Mishnah, you understand why there was a lot of money for Moshe and Chasachim. You know, even if their profit margin was like a half of a percent, but a half of a percent with that volume every single day, they're going to have a lot of money, and that's the issue of Moser and Chasachim. So what, Rebbe, So the question is, there's two ways, either this way of fluctuating prices or of the way you measure, and are those being labeled as two different things, Moser, Paris, Moser, and Chasachim, or are those being lumped together, because conceptually it's really one thing, it's Moser and Chasachim. But the Rabbi Ishmael said that you could actually go straight into business selling this stuff, and that's what you know. Rabbi Akiva does not agree to. Now you know why the Galilean rabbi did not like gold. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So let's take a look. So it says like this. So Rabbi Yochanan Pasur Masnisa Moser Peira Zusa Aravis Moser Nesachim the day rooting the heaping over. So it says Leisle Rabbi Chia Bar Yosef the day rooting. I don't get it. Rabbi Chia Bar Yosef he said Moser Peiros was the profit you made for, according to Rabbi Ishmael um, the business and Moser Nesachim was the uh, fluctuation of prices. What about the Beirutsim? Why didn't he mention that? So Amr Rabbi No, the same category he put, you got like what falls into. The same we talk about to this, it falls into this category. What falls into the category of the Sa'ariviit, of the fluctuating prices, the Beirutsim fall into the same category. He doesn't divide them into two categories. It's all bundled together in most Nisachim. Okay, I'll die to the Rebbe Chia by Yosef's Nicha, Ain Mistakrin Bishal Hektish. Aflo Bishalaniyim. Lefikach Zevazel Lo Hayumodin Beperos. So according to Rebbe Chia, we understand why Rebbe Akiva rejected the whole phenomenon of Moshe Peros. Because Rebbe Akiva said, you don't go into business. And if Moshe Peros means the profit you make from the business, then Rebbe Akiva completely rejected it. I'll die to the Rebbe Yochanan Kasha. But according to Rebbe Yochanan, why did it say that Rebbe Akiva didn't agree to mo- with Moshe Peros? Everybody agrees to this idea of the fort of the Sa'ara of the East. The Hatnan, Amdu Migimel, Yisapek, Midawid. If the price changes to three for a shekel, you still have to continue to supply four. Okay? The Taninan. So everybody agrees to that phenomenon. Now, if you're saying Moser HaPeiros means that, not Moser HaPeiros means the money you made from business, which Rabbi Akiva didn't agree to, but it means that, that's a phenomenon that everyone agrees to. The Taninan, Zevizel Lo Yemodim And it says that Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Hananas Ganke'ekonim did not agree to Peiros. Why did they not agree? They all agree that this is a profit the base of Mikdash made. So the Gemara says, no. Lo Yemodim Beperos Beketam Yizbeach. All it means is they didn't agree to use it for what Rabbi Yishmael said you used it for. Rabbi Yishmael said you used it for mm-hmm. they would still say you would use it but you'd use it for something different you'd use it for klishares because most of Nisachim go to klishares right the leftover money from selling the, from the Nisachim thing with the coupons and what not the coupons anyway the receipts um, and therefore Moser Peros is really a version according to this approach of Moser Nisachim it's two forms of Moser Nisachim so all it means is they didn't agree they agreed to the phenomenon they didn't agree to what you use it you don't use it for Ketamis you use it for klishares. Okay, now the Gemara ends with a final question about this benefiting from this uh, heaping. Akidon beirutse tzibor. Vafilu beirutse yachid. So the Gemara says, one minute. I get how you could use the profits from communal sacrifices. Um, it's not exactly clear who's profiting because, well, I guess you're profiting from the supplier. You'll have leftover. Anyway, I get how you could, you could profit when you communal sacrifices. You buy a gallon and you get a little extra than a gallon. And then what do you, and then what do you do with that profit? So I get that, and then you can use it for these communal purposes, like Ketamis Beach or Kleshares. But how about Beirutse Yachid? 
most of their profit was coming from individuals that brought the, bought the Nisachim, right? And you had all that profit that they made was coming from individual, from private funds. So therefore, it, w- it wasn't Tzibor related. So how could you use it for the Tzibor purpose of Klisharis or Ketanis Beach? All right, it's a good question. If that, all that profit is coming now from individual funds, not donations, but individual funds. But then you're winding up buying clay shards from individual funds? So the says, okay, big deal. As long as it's not the Corbin itself, you can have an individual donate something as long as once they donate it, they fully give it over to the base on Mikdash. So if I'm buying wine and I'm paying, then I'm fully giving it over to the base on Mikdash, right? So I'm not making it a private thing and therefore that kids can then go ahead and be used for these more communal purposes. One last question about this. We get that you benefit from the heaping of a liquid measure. Beirut say Yavesh, how about if it's a dry measure? Now, why should it be different? So one explanation of why it's different is because one of the reasons that basin is entitled to the heaping out over is because when you pour the liquid in, it hits the inside of the kli. The kli is kadosh. That sanctifies it. And then, as you keep on pouring, stuff that's already been in the kli, you know, winds up, stuff moves around. The heaping stuff is not just the stuff you poured last. So that stuff has already been kadosh. It was once in the kli, and therefore we're entitled to it because it's been sanctified. Whereas if it's a dry measure, the heaping part of it was never inside of the kli, right? Because right, if you put in grain into a box, the grain that heaps over was never inside the kli. So maybe... Okay, but it wasn't in the walls of the Kli, and the walls of the Kli is what Kadash wasn't even in the airspace, but the airspace above the Kli, not the airspace of the Kli itself. Yes, the meniscus. I, well, that's what I was thinking about, right? I was trying to remember. So there, the liquid started in the Kli, but by dry, it didn't. So are we entitled to the heaping of the dry measures as well? Okay, that's, so he's a tanina like we taught it, like we taught. Come on over there. Hanisachim shekitzu b'kliv and imtazevach pasul. So you sanctified the nisachim in the vessel, and then the and then the the korban was pasul, um, and so you can't use the nisachim. In yesham zevach acher yikrevu imo. If there's another korban, then you use it for that. Vimlav vimlav, and if not lanu, so if they stayed over the night, yufsulu belina. Now, what the heck does that tell us? doesn't seem to tell us anything about this question. So the Grah says the end of that year, so what, the, the Grah tells us that, again, that in the Tosefta, I believe, the end of that text is, let me see again what the Grah has, he says, the end of the text is, the in love, yin that the end of the text says, says, and if you, if you didn't let it sleep, sleep over, so you have this Nisachim you can't use because your Korban became puzzle. So what you could do is sell it and use the money for the case Samizdeach for these communal sacrifices. And since it speaks about Nisachim generically, it would also include, you know, the, uh, you know, the dry Nisachim that they would go locate Samizdeach. Now again, it's still not exactly clear how does that relate to the heaping part, mm-hmm. right? Where do you see the sense of the heaping part here? So there's a lot of playing around with the gear set to make this make sense, uh, but for now, because of, particularly because of time and because of the, it's complicated and not so convincing, we will leave it with that question. Okay, so let's take a look now at the next Mishnah. Moser HaKtores, what would you do with the leftover Ketores? Now, what leftover Ketores? So, 
every year they would buy at the beginning of the year, for whatever reason, this was the practice, 365 units of Ketores, manas, they would use one unit each day, um, and plus three extra they would right. use on Yom Kippur, 368. Yes. The problem is, is that a lunar year, since they renewed the Shkalim on a lunar year basis, would, did not have 365 days. Now, if you collect the excess of the Ketores, um, over a few years, then you'll have, if you can use it when you have a leap year, right? Over three years, you collect the excess of the difference of lunar and solar, and then when you get the leap year, then you can use it. But, there's a problem. You have to buy a Corbin Seabor of that year from that year's funds. So once they had this weird practice of starting with 365 plus 3, how did they use the leftover Torah that they had in order to get it to be repurchased with hectic funds for the next year? Okay, that's the question. So how would they do this? By what would they do? You'd separate out from it the money you owed for the workers, the people that actually would make the ketores. Um, you transfer the kedusha of the ketores, the leftover, let's say, 10, 11 maneh that you would have at the end of the year, to the money that you owed the umnin. Okay? And then you had desanctified ketores. And then what you would do with it? The And then you'd repurchase it from the new funds. And then it would be re-sanctified with this year's funds. Okay? And now which funds would you use? So if you, the new funds, the new shkalim, are ready to be used, you buy it with the new shkalim. Vimlav, meaning Yishana, and if not, you buy it with the old shkalim, which sort of begs the question. The whole idea was to get it to be repurchased with this year's funds. What does it mean that if you didn't have this year's funds, you'd repurchase it with the old funds, and what's the point of this whole exercise? Okay, so we'll talk about that, but let's first focus on the Ketaris question. So you all should be asking me as well, what did you do? You transfer the Kedusha of Ketaris to the money that you're going to pay the Umnin? Then I've got a little bit of a question, which is what? And they have to what are the Umnin going to do with money that's sanctified? Exactly. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. What? Yeah, not necessarily, but in practice, yes. And, and, <laughs> but the Ketaris is made in the mix. Oh, we're going to discuss that. Where it's made. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss how these, where these Umnin are and so on. Don't worry. Okay, no. it isn't purchasing. In other words, you have this okay let's look at the Gemara. אוקיי,let's,כאילו,let's,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאילו,כאיל
Okay? I have the money that's their pay, which is both for their work and for the ingredients that they use. I have their money. This is sanctified money. What do I do? I transfer the Kedusha, this money, to, I don't know, the, the, the bricks over there that I'm going to use later for the base on Mikdash. So I make this money desanctified. I don't know why I can just say I start with desanctified funds. But okay, let's keep on going. Now I've got this Torah that the Umnim have brought me. And I transfer the Kedusha of this Torah onto this money. Okay, that's all very lovely, but we're back to square one. How am I paying the umnin? Okay, so here's the trick. You, I, like, why you needed the first half is unclear. You transfer the Kedusha of the Torah on it, but here's how you pay the umnin. You pay them with the Torah. Okay, basically, they come to me, and they say, here's, you know what it's like? It's like, imagine you go to a restaurant, right? So the raw ingredients are very little, but you're paying $50 for the meal, because it's all the effort, whatever. So they come to you, and they say, here's the meal. Like, the women say, here's the potatoes, you just say, that'll be $50. And you say, you know what? I don't have the money on me here. Here's something worth $50, and you give them the meal right back. Okay, so that's what happens. The women deliver to you the potatoes sanctified, you desanctify it, you give them back the Torahs for their pay, okay, but we're not done, because now, okay, and then what do you do? Now, but actually, I just gave you the Torahs, but I need the Torahs for this coming year. So then I'll, I will buy the Torahs with sanctified funds. But the sanctity now will transfer to the Torahs, and you'll get the money that you want. Okay, do you got it? Yeah. So they basically, they come and they serve me my $50 dinner. Okay, I say, I don't have the money. Here's the dinner back for payment. And then I say, wait, wait, wait. I'll buy the dinner from you for 50 bucks. But the whole reason of this is it gets the Kedusha off of the Torah. So you desanctify the Torah. You pay them with the Torah. Then you buy the Torah with sanctified funds. And that transfers the new Kedusha onto the Torah. Okay? The nosnin osalumnin bischaran. Yes? And the coins you give them become desanctified. The Torah becomes desanctified. Then you use sanctified funds from the new shekel to buy it. And the sanctity, they, they get the money, and the sanctity of your money transfers to the Torah. And the money is no longer sanctified. Exactly. And then they can use the money. Okay? All right. Now, Now, this money that had the Kedusha of the Torah transferred to it, okay? I'm sorry. This money that was, excuse me, that was... Um, which money is left over now? Um, hold on. Yeah, but that's the one that went to. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. There's two sets of money. Right, right. There's two uh, sets of money. First, you transferred the Kedusha off of the Ketores to one set of money, but then you bought back the Ketores with the new Shekel. Right? What, what so what do you do with the money that you transfer the Kedusha of Ketores the first round onto? Right? Like right. So w- exactly. What do you do with that money that has the Kedusha of the Ketores? So Rebbe Omer, Omer Ani, I say, Yinasnu lebeis garma lebeis avtinat shahayu b'kiim b'pitam hakatoras b'masal echem apanim. Basically, you give this to this house of Karnim that would basically, you know, regularly do this work for the stars and the apanim, which is not clear. First of all, what are they going to do with hektish funds? And second of all, don't they get generally paid anyway? So I'm a Rebbe Shmuel Bar of Yitzchak. That's only if you basically, the way the Mepharsh say this, if you owe them money from a previous year, because this has the Kedusha of the Torah from last year. 
So then you're using last year's funds. Now remember, now it makes sense because we talked at the Ibada, at the Amud Bet yesterday that you could use the Trumas Halishka for some of these types of like you know uh, of services that weren't just Korbanot Tibor. So the the last year's Torah, the Kedusha was tra- transferred to this money. Okay, it says last year's Kedusha of the lech, uh, of the Shekel. You can actually use the, that Kedusha, the Shekel of last year, to pay for some of the Beis HaMikdash services. So you pay it. That, that, that only if you're paying for last year's services, because this has last year's Kedusha on it. Oh, because they're okay. allowed to have these sanctified funds then? What? No, then the funds become desanctified. That's one of the uses, like it's paying the Megiyei Svarim, paying, paying the uh, rabbinic students, right? We just taught that, right? We just began with that today, that you can wind up using the Truma Salishka for more non-Kedusha then, purposes, then and then it becomes... Yeah, then Chazal just stipulate and make it not Kadosh. I mean, that's the bizarre thing of all of it. Okay, what? I know. Also, Rebbe Bob, Hashem Rebbe Hashem Rebbe Yossi, no, that's not what you would do with it, not to pay off something from last year's funds, but you use the general fallback, Mekaitin Behenes HaMizbeach, you'd use it to bring these olas for when the Mizbeach is, is not being used. Okay, let's just do one more issue. Rebbe Bob Bar Kahan Boy, he asked the following question, Kumi Rebbe Yossi, Mechal Fashisad Rebbe Chia Bar Bar, Rebbe Chia Bar Bar is reversing himself. Taman Srikhalei, first Rebbe Chia Bar Bar said, what do you do with these funds? And then at the end of the discussion, he said, oh, you use it for case on Yisbeach. How did he ask a question and then give the, an answer to his own question? I don't know why that's such an issue. No. When he said, what do you do with the funds? He meant, I know you can always do the fallback of case on Yisbeach. What I'd like to know is, can you also use it for Klisharis? And that he didn't have an answer for. Okay, but that's how you end this whole process with the Torah. Uh, these Palga, now that says there's a debate on the following, and this is Ra- Rabbi Doe's question. Pitma Bechulin, let's say you ground the Ketores in a non-sanctified vessel. Can you make Ketores unsanctified and sanctify it afterwards? So Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Chanina Amar Psula, it's invalid. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Amar Tshera, it's Kasher. Now my time is Rabbi Yossi be Rabbi Chanina. Kodesh he, it says by Ketores, it is holy. It's very making has to be in something sanctified. It's very making has to be in a sanctified vessel. What's the reason Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi? Kodesh just means it has to be bought from Kodesh funds. It does not have to be made in a klisharis. I'm a Rebbe Yosef Bey Rebbe Boon. Asiyad Rebbe Yosef Ben Chanana Kishmuel. Rebbe Yosef Ben Levi Kerebbe Yochanan. They have various supports uh, for their positions. We'll just leave the first one and end there. The Tanina, because this is our Mishnah. I'm not, well, whatever. Hamartish Nechasav. You know what? I think we have to end here. So we will pick up with this today tomorrow. <laughs>